At Loretta Henderson's funeral the other week, Gordon mentioned that when he was young, her family were one of the early ones to have a TV in those days. It took me back. We got our first television set when I was about four or five in the mid-1950s. Sorry, that's given away my age. <laughs> At my birthday or Christmas time, it was a large box of an affair like this. I mean, the, the width of it and the depth of it. You could never hang it on a wall like you do with the ones these days. There were no computers, iPads, smartphones in those days. If you wanted to do something, you played cards or you played with your toys, but no television. It was all very exciting. If I remember rightly, sorry, forgot that, but if I remember rightly, there was only one channel, and the highlight of the day for a young boy was Watch With Mother. <laughs> do you remember that? How many of you remember Watch With Mother? Yeah, loads. <laughs> and the story, are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Of course, the introduction was designed to get boisterous, active toddlers and children to calm down, to snuggle up to their mum in the chair and listen carefully. What had God sent for mothers? Busy with the housework and looking after the children in those days? Working mums were rare. No washing machines, dishwashers, tumble dryers, vacuum cleaners even. It was a habit we were indoctrinated into, to sit down comfortably and watch TV. Right up to today, to spend hours watching the telly, the iPad, the smartphone, video games, rather than being active, getting exercise, doing things. So, are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> then we'll begin. But isn't that what's wrong with the church today? We come for worship on a Sunday for an hour or so. We pray, we sing, we sit comfortably in our chairs listening to someone like me droning on, not sure how much of what is said will stick between the ears. And how much thought do we give to what Jesus said to his disciples in verses 43 to 45 of our reading? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, as Christians, we're called to a life of service. Have you ever thought like that? We're called to a life of service. It's part of loving the Lord's people, learning to serve rather than being served. The last time I was up here speaking to you, we were talking about expectations that we had and the expectations of the Jews for their Messiah and how expectations don't always match up to what happened. It was November. We hadn't even heard of Omicron then. And who would have expected Russia to go to war with Ukraine? And our reading today is again about people's expectations. In this case, that of the disciples particularly James and John. You can read this passage as if the image is about Jesus ultimately sitting in glory in heaven, surrounded by his trusty advisors. But a more realistic interpretation is that it's about the journey to Jerusalem. Just like the rest of the Jews, 
They were thinking along the lines of Jesus entering Jerusalem in triumph to overthrow the Romans and establish a new Jewish government. They thought it was to be a triumphal march to Jerusalem at the head of an army. And they wanted special places in Jesus' new cabinet, places of power. Okay, they got it all wrong, but they weren't alone. In verse 41, the other disciples became indignant with James and John. They wanted the best places also. To the Jews, status was everything, and the disciples were not immune. On the road to Capernaum, they had argued about which of them was the greatest. And Jesus had said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. As so often, he was overturning the valued structures of the world, both then and now. Just before this, Jesus had again predicted his capture, trial and death. This was beyond of understanding. They just didn't get it. Jesus uses the opportunity to remind them that even he came to be served. That he came to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He knew his ultimate goal and it wasn't anything like they imagined and he was going to press on regardless. The image of Jesus is strengthened at the Last Supper when he takes a towel and washes his disciples' feet. As no one else is there to do it, and none of the disciples has taken this menial task on themselves. They still hung on to their position in the grand scheme of things, but Jesus reinforced the image of the disciple as a servant. It was also part of getting over to them that this was what he had been called to do, to be a servant of God the Father and to do his bidding, his will, in subjecting himself to ridicule, scorn, torture, trial, and ultimately the cross. And by his death to take on the sins of the world so that all might be forgiven, all might be reconciled to God. Jesus said, follow me. And the Jesus who said that was the one who did not come to be served, but to serve. Following Jesus means serving, not being served. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, my father will honour the one who serves me. Excuse me. So why serve? Because Jesus told us that this was to be our way of life as his followers. He gave us plenty of examples in his teaching, his healing, and specifically in the examples I've mentioned. He showed us, and as his followers, it's our call to do the same. Serving one another is part of loving the Lord's people, of acting in love towards fellow members. And it's not loving only those who like us, or those who are like us, or those who think like us, or those we think are deserving as against those we think are not, but loving and serving all. Discipleship means living in humble and loving service. Jesus' command is to find happiness in service instead of being served, in loving others instead of being in command of them, of being superior to them. 
And the apostle said something very similar. Paul exhorts us to live like servants also. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. Serve one another humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 14, 18. Anyone who serves Christ is pleasing to God. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God supplies, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We show our love for each other, for other people, in how we serve them. So how do we do it? Well, we can start by using any gifts, abilities, talents that God has given us. As David Watson puts it, God has given us gifts, but gifts that are to be used. We all have special gifts, talents, qualities that we can use in God's service. As Gordon said last week, we're all different, but bringing all our qualities together is what enriches the church if we bring them all to Jesus. And not using your gift of talent is what weakens the church, makes it less than it could be. Even if it's not something that comes naturally, you can put your mind to it, decide this is something you're going to do in your service for the Lord, and start in and learn. We can all contribute something. This is an example. I play the flute in the band. I'm not good at it, despite what you may think. I used to play the recorder at school, and the chanter and the bagpipes and the BB, and the fingering's not so very different. But when John Collard was our minister, he mentioned that in his previous church they had a band, and the flute was really good for hearing the melody. Now maybe that's because John needed to hear things better. My daughter played flute at school, so I took lessons for three months with her tutor, and here I am. I couldn't practice because the dogs howled any time I tried to. So what you get on a Sunday is what I play. Of course, if you want to hear a really good flautist, go hear Sally Palmer. But I get by. So we can all contribute something. Pray about what you could do. Ask God to guide you. Ask your friends and fellow members. Determine to do it, or at least try it. Participate. Do go ahead and give it a try. If you think there's a service you could give for the church, for your fellow members or those outside the church, don't be put off if it's outside your comfort zone. Determine with God's grace to do it. Come along and get involved. There's always someone to help. Sometimes you have to try a few things before you find your niche. But we're all here to help. And don't say, that, oh, there's nothing I could do. I'm no use. There's always a, something you can do. Let's look at a few examples. The older people might say, I'm too old. I'm not fit. There's nothing I could do. If so, serving others could be as simple as praying for people. And don't just limit yourself to when they're ill or have problems. Pray for their service to him. Pray for learning more about Jesus. Pray for our services. Pray for the work of the ministry team. 
Pray for all the ways the church tries to help other people, especially those outside the church. Pray for Miriam and her work with our young people. Pray for areas of conflict in the world like Ukraine. Pray for the world's leaders struggling with their response. Pray for Putin even, who seems like a man who could do with the love of God in his heart. Pray for places that struggle with daily life from climate change, like South Sudan. Pray for the aid agencies like Christian Aid or Tear Fund. Pray for spreading the work of the gospel here and abroad, especially where Christians are persecuted for their faith. There's always something. And if you're able, get more involved. Jesus didn't want us to spend our days sitting watching the telly. Think what talents and gifts you have. How could they be used in serving Jesus and our members? Look at our focus groups, soon to be redesignated as ministry groups, as you'll see from the clarion this month. Come along and contribute. We all have something to say, even if it's disagreeing with other people, which helps us to think about other ways of looking at things. Get to know other members really well so they become friends and people we can turn to in times of trouble and can in turn help them when it matters. Could you help with our young people's groups? Miriam would be delighted to hear from you. Similarly, recreate our monthly family service. You could serve by helping, by getting involved, even just by coming along in support. Miriam is looking for musicians as well. A great chance to meet new people and share God's love and good news. Or simple acts of service or kindness to our neighbours, friends, especially those we don't know. Sharing the, showing the love of Jesus doesn't have to be an earth-shattering event, but it could be the start of a life-saving event. Or our service to our, the community through the food bank, Café Claire, other ways. Or could you start up something new? How far could God take you? And when Jesus talks of serving, the most important service is sharing our knowledge of Jesus and the gospel with those who don't know him, who might never have heard of him even. Serving comes in many shapes and sizes, but what greater service can you give to someone? What greater service for God than bringing someone to faith in Jesus our Lord? So what puts members off serving? Could be infirmity, old age, health. You could pray. Other priorities, family, sports, recreations, other interests. What should our priorities as Christians be? And that's not an easy question to answer. It could be something as simple as you can't be bothered. You're lazy. Happens. And you've also got to think about lack of commitment. Did our promises, vows really mean something? Do we really have a faith in Jesus and want to be like him? Are we serious about what it means to be a follower of Christ? As Gordon has put it, the question is not, what do I get out of church? 
Because that's to think that the church is something other than me, something I'm not part of, and it is there to serve me. The question is not even, what can I do or for or give to the church? That's a bit better, but it's still to think of the church as something other than myself, other than what I'm part of. The question is, how do we as church serve the Lord, serve one another, and serve the people around us? How do we serve Jesus? How can we be Jesus people to our communities? So, are you sitting comfortably? Well, it's time to get up and get active and get serving the Lord and other people. And then ultimately, the master can say in his kingdom, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen.